of course, let you know, but just put that down in your calendar. It's going to be happening Sunday evening starting uh, June 2nd, going for eight weeks. All right. Um, if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles, 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to finish this morning. Uh, we've been in a series called Uncomplicated. And uh, uh, we've been looking at this series has allowed us to just take a, a, a unique look into um, all of the relational complexities that we experience and the different relationships we have in life and what God wants to bring, the clarity that he wants to bring to those relationships. And we've looked at friendships and we've looked at workplace relationships and we've looked at all, all kinds of different relationships. And this morning, the final message, we're looking at the relationship of marriage, the spousal relationship. We're going to just take a, a dive into that uh, this morning. So I'm going to pray for us and just ask for God to bring some clarity uh, to us from this this morning, and uh, we'll go from there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you love us. I feel so grateful. You have things you want to say. And so we're ready to receive from you. We're asking for your word. We're asking for um, you to show us what's in your heart as it relates to marriage and spouses. Can you give us some clarity and wisdom? We're going to do this right. Marriage is your invention. We want to do it well. We want to receive from you. We ask in Jesus' name. Hello? Hello? I'm looking for my wife. Wait. This is where it has to happen, and this is where it has to happen. I'm not letting you get rid of me. How about that? This used to be my specialty. You know, I was good in the living room. They send me in there, and I'd do it alone. And now I just... Tonight, our little project, our company, had a very big night. A very, very big night. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't nearly close to being in the same vicinity as complete. Because I couldn't share it with you. I couldn't hear your voice. Or laugh about it with you. I miss my, I miss my wife.
We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You? There's Hollywood. Hollywood knows how to wrap up a story, right? And they live happily ever after. Uh, this is one of those scenes. And just, just for just a note here, just because we show a clip doesn't mean we endorse a movie. In fact, I would say we don't endorse this movie. So that's not, we're not saying that. But in fact, this, this scene is one of those scenes that has kind of, it transcends just a movie scene. It's kind of become part of pop culture. And the whole, you complete me, and uh, shut up, but you had me at hello. That's th- this idea. And here's the idea. That I, I am not a whole person. And that there's someone out there who has all of the things to fix all the stuff that is lacking in me. That, that there's someone that's going to take all my shortcomings and be able to fix them. And then because of who that person is, now I'm a whole person. And we all know, and we say that, and we think that, and we feel that, because we all know this, that we are not complete. What, what each of us can feel at any given time, at any point in time in our lives, is I'm not totally complete. complete. I know that I need something. I know that I'm lacking something. I'm looking and hoping to be filled by hopefully something that someone else has to make all of our junk go away. And what we think is that someone else's charisma and someone else's emotions and someone brings something to the table to be able to save me. You're going to be able to bring something. Someone's bringing something to this equation to be able to save me. And the problem is, is that they're not necessarily, in fact, I'd say they're not bringing, they're not the, the knight in shining armor or the beautiful damsel or whatever. We think they're bringing these things to the equation, but the reality is, is what each of us is actually bringing to each other is this. This is what all of us have, right? Now, I want to be clear. This is not who we are. All right, that's because Jesus is amazing. But here's what the, the truth is, is that every one of us comes with all kinds of experiences, thoughts, ideas, hurts, wounds, disappointments, good things and bad things, but all of those things mount up to a bag, a baggage, a piece of baggage, if you will, and here's the, this prevailing thought that we get and we receive somehow from Hollywood. I'd say the modern-day philosophers are essentially directors and actors of our day. They're the modern-day philosophers of our day. And 
what they're going to say is that when you find, you bring your thing and they bring their thing and you bring these two things together, that somehow that is going to fix and solve all the problems. When let's be honest, that, that thought process is insanity. You bring your baggage and I'll bring my baggage and then that's somehow going to fix all of my stuff. And the reason we know that that doesn't work is because they're not complete either. You can't complete me because you aren't complete and I can't complete you because I'm not complete. And ultimately, marriage is coming and bringing these things to the table and saying, here I am, my warts and all. Are you willing to go on this journey with me? There's this complexity of learning how to take these things and to work through life in order to get to the one, by the way, who is able to complete us. Hollywood has half the story right. Every one of us needs to desperately be completed. The problem is, at the end of the movie, they point to another human being that's supposed to do it for you. And what God is saying is, that's not true. There's one person who can complete you and me. His name is Jesus Christ, King of the world. But because of the world that we live in, we come with lots of expectations for someone to be able to fix all of this in us and to be able to make all of that go right. And the beauty is this. Listen, spouses are awesome. In fact, you can, in fact, I would just encourage you, if, you're, if you've got a spouse in here, if your spouse is here, you can look your spouse in the eye and say, hey, you're awesome, but you're not my savior. <laughs> okay, all right. You can say that. You're awesome, but you're not my savior. All right, listen, every, every, listen, every couple Every couple whose marriage has lasted past essentially the honeymoon has figured, out, has figured out that there is no human being, no matter how much you love or adore them, that can fix or take away all of the junk or to make you complete. And I think that's one of the most detrimental things that we have from our culture is telling us that. And then what happens is, is we have massive unrealistic expectations of another human being who has their own set of issues to be able to fix us. And the Lord has truth that he wants to bring. Listen, there is absolute beauty in marriage, having incredible shared experiences, the beauty of what a man brings to the marriage, what a woman, all the gifts that a woman brings and a man brings, those are great things. We get to see those, the beauty of standing in front of of each other and making a, a lifelong covenant that's supposed to point to a covenant with uh, a God who is faithful to us. All of those things about marriage are beautiful. In fact, marriage is God's design. It's his plan. But there's this false narrative that we have to begin to address. That our spouse is supposed to fix us and that our spouse is supposed to bring all of their best things in order to deal with all of our shortcomings. Because it's Ending up leaving, there are, we, you've heard and you know the statistics, all of the, f- the failure, the disappointments that come from marriage. You may have even experienced or been a part of or party to a failed marriage before. And we know that the weight that comes from having an expectation of someone to fix all of our things or someone 
looking at us to fix all of their things and we couldn't do it. And so the question is, is all right, Lord, what do you want to bring clarity to this? What is it that you want to say to us? How do we rightly see this relationship in a way that is in line with what you say? The one who does and can complete us, then how are we supposed to walk with this other human being who brings their own things to the equation, good, bad, or otherwise, so that we might receive what you have for us and walk with joy and excitement for the days ahead. Well, to help bring clarity to the complexity of marriage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask somebody else to come up uh, and do this. I've only been married 14 years. So I'm looking for some more veterans in this thing. And, uh, and so we have an incredible couple uh, in our our church, who've been married for 27 years, and they have been doing ministry side by side for that time, and they'd be the first to tell you they've been through all the ups and all the downs. And I'm so delighted to ask Darren and Julie Jones up to speak to us about this issue of marriage. You guys help say thank you to them. Veterans are such a nice way of calling us old, isn't it? <laughs> And the truth is, uh, we didn't serve in a war, but the veteran tag fits pretty well when you think about working through marriage stuff together. We've, uh, marriage is, is uh, awesome, and it's so hard, and it is what God uses to, to shape and change us uh, in so many deep, deep ways, and so... Uh, Embracing that idea of being veterans kind of, a, kind of fits for us, I think, and as we think about this. And just know that today what we've been praying is that, that God would filter us and that you wouldn't hear us because if somehow you perceive what we've done or what we've figured out as, as being unreachable for you, then we've really miscommunicated because what we really want to come to you and say is we're in, we're in this with you, we've been through this, we've... we've figured some stuff out, but only through the, the blood of, of the marriage warfare that we've kind of figured out. And so we just want to start there with you and be ready. We're going to kind of get real. We're going to go kind of vulnerable about some of our stuff and uh, just kind of want to lock and load on some of that with you. Um, we're going to just share a brief kind of a, an overview, just give you a little bit of context on our life. We were in Southern California in ministry for years where we did youth ministry and young adult ministry for 10 years at Voyager's Bible Church in Irvine, and it was awesome. And then we made a, a kind of a wild jump to France, where I pastored the international English-speaking church in Aix-en-Provence, France, for six years. And for some of you, that may just sound like, ooh, France. And for me, um, that sounded like, are you kidding me? I didn't even like the French. <laughs> I didn't want to go to France. I never wanted to visit France. It wasn't on my bucket list. I could keep that stupid tower as far as I was concerned. I had traveled. I'd been on missions trips and done different things where I just encountered French tourists that were so, to me, so rude. And I just had this perception of, I never, ever want to go there. Those people are, well, of course, uh, as God in his cosmic sense of humor takes me to France. Julie had been. She loved it. She was all excited. She actually spoke some French. I spoke nothing. I mean, I was just, it was terrible. And of course, God just broke my heart, Re rewrote the whole narrative. It was, uh, he, he perfectly set that whole thing up because 
he could so easily be the hero in that story. I went with nothing, and I came out of France with a heart for the French, a heart for the people. God worked in spite of me, literally in spite of me, and did amazing things. And our six years in France were amazing. I went over to France kind of chuckling behind my hand. Oh, this is so funny. I'm going to be a missionary in France. And then I left France. Just, uh, it was really hard to leave. We went to, from France to Morocco. And I went to Morocco to lead a, a mission agency that was bringing Christians into an American school, kind of subversive uh, opportunity to, to do ministry in a, in a Muslim context and to bring these Christians in and to work at this school. The problem is, is they didn't tell me that they were phasing out the mission part of, my, of the school. So they brought me into a job that was being phased out. They hired me to come over and wrap up, but nobody told me this. So Morocco it was kind of this weird bait and switch, very painful time for me. Um, Julie flourished. Her job was amazing. Um, but I really struggled, and we're going to come back around to that. The Morocco time was a, was a very, very difficult and, and very uh, important time in our lives and in our marriage. Uh, it was probably the darkest uh, marriage time that we've ever experienced. It was really, really tough. We went from there back to, to Concord, uh, California, where we were in the Bay Area. And in that process, something was born inside of us. We'd been with Communitas, the, the church planning agency that we went to France with. We're still with them. We love them. We've been with them now for 15 years. That is an organization that if you want to get me going, you can ask me some questions about organic church planning, incarnational church planning, and there's just some really exciting things going on in that arena, and I'd love to talk about it. Um, but the other piece that happened for us in that whole process was that we decided that there's got to be some way that we can help people invest in their most important relationships better. What we experienced in Morocco was so painful for us, the way we watched the leadership at a school really misuse a team, that it was born inside of us. We wanted to help people do this investing in important relationships so much better than, than we do on our own. And so Golden Goose Consulting, we started our own little business, and we do this with, with companies, with leadership teams, but really what, why we're here today and, and what's on our heart is this most important relationships are the ones that are in our home. How do we invest in our kids, and then how do we invest in each other as couples and so this is something that's on Julie and my heart. We have real passion over this. And part of the reason we, like, we have so much passion over it is because we've gone through the difficulty of kind of owning some of this stuff. And so we just really want you to know we're with you. We're in it with you. This is something that we love to do. And we are up here on stage, not because in any way we are experts, but because we're veterans. Perfect word. We're, we're, we're veterans in all of this. And so Julie's actually going to jump in. I'll tell you right up front, though, if you're a note taker, we only have two points. There's only two points to our whole message. So you can write number one, and we'll get there. And then you're halfway down the page, you can write number two. There are only going to be two things that you can take with you when you go. So, Yeah, great. Well, um, and just to say, it's great to be here. I've been gone for a little while traveling, um, and I'll, I'll touch on that in just a second. But it's so good to be back. And I just appreciate the worshipful nature of this morning, and I just felt like as we were worshiping, like just as we kind of go into this topic, may it be wrapped in that same sense, and um, 
yeah, we just, there's so much we can say about marriage, but we need God's grace in the middle of all of that. Um, during part of my travels, I was back in the northern part of Chico, and I had the opportunity to spend time with a really, really dear family friend. He's like a second dad to me, and um, very sadly, he's dying of a brain tumor, actually the same type that my dad passed away of, and so um, it was a, a tiny window that I got to spend with him, and I tell you, it's kind of like the end of, um, of Christ's time on earth, you kind of pay attention to those last words that, that he said, you know, and, um, and I got to be with my friend Doug and listen to some final words of his. Um, he hasn't passed away, but he's, um, yeah, it's, it's not good right now. So when he said a few things, you know, I really clung to those words, but um, it was so powerful. Here's this man who um, is just a a very powerful man in this in this town, um, one of the premier builders, and a lot of lot of influence. Um, kind of lived his life as a Type A person, you know, just go for it. And at the very end here, he's kind of distilling things down and and wrapping up thoughts. And he just said, "I got it wrong. I thought it was what I do for God. It's all Him. It is Him from start to finish. He pursues us." We hopefully receive some of that. God willing, maybe we share that with some people along the way. But it is him pursuing us all along the way. So anything we say here, just, just know we want to lay a foundation of grace. It is all God's grace. <laughs> and we need it every single day. And God willing, we can grasp a bit of that on the sooner end than the later end. Um, but it, it really is all God's grace. Um, how many of you, as we kind of talk about the topic of marriage, have seen the illustration of the triangle in marriage? It's a pretty commonly known one. So the basic thing is you've got husband here, wife here, God here. As husband and wife grow closer to God, they grow closer to each other. So kind of more towards the point of that, of that triangle. And, um, and that's, that's super, super important. Um, Oftentimes the focus, though, is we, we grow closer to God kind of so we can grow closer to each other. And, and thankfully all of that can kind of happen together. But, but one just key piece of it is we've got to first be rooted and grounded and growing in our own relationship with Christ. You know, um, Keith talks so much about the baggage and the things that we bring into, and it's so true. First and foremost, we've got to do our own work and pay attention to the things that come up, but, but really digging into our own relationship and spending regular time getting to know the God of the universe who so dearly and de deeply wants to know us um, is, has, be, it has to be where it starts. And, um, and I just encourage you, if that's not something that's already a part of your regular rhythm, tomorrow's Monday. It's a great day to begin. And, and one thing that's just helpful is if, if you don't do that, set your alarm 10 minutes before you get up, but just spend some time with God and, and looking maybe a little bit at his word and maybe a little bit more like a love letter than a, than a newspaper. I, when I get a card from this guy, it doesn't happen all the time, but when I receive one, I tell you, I read those words, I reread them, I like let it soak in because it's really, really special. But God is waiting every day for that, to do that with us, to spend time with us and to pour his love in us. Because honestly, if we don't have a little bit, 
we don't really have much to give, right? It's got, we've got to be receiving that from someplace. Um, Part of my secret, I parcel out those love letters. Yes. Just so that they stay really, really special. <laughs> and God doesn't do that, thankfully. <laughs> it's there every day. It's there every day for us. Um, but, but he knows that we need a focus bigger than ourselves. And so as that triangle illustration kind of like helps us lift our eyes to God, we really need a focus that's far larger than ourselves. Because what happens, right, is when we... When our focus becomes here, and let me tell you, this is in every relationship. Many of you are not married, so you, this is for everyone, whether you're married, not, you're six, or more than six <laughs> here. But when our focus is not lifted, it ends up being here, and it does not always end up well, does it? Um, we need a focus that's bigger than ourselves because if our focus is on only marriage or parenting or friendship or dating, it's going to break down at some level. Um, only God really is meant to bear the weight of our focus. Each other, we're not meant to bear that weight. Um, so let me see if any of you recognize a little dance that, um, that I'm very familiar with and maybe you'll recognize this. So when my focus is here, I recognize that um, there are some dirty socks that I would really like Darren to put away. And so um, there's that problem. That's step one. Step two is I, I make suggestions about maybe how those dirty socks might be moving towards the bin or some way that would be um, to my liking. He, third step, he has some response to this thing that is happening here. And you can fill in the gaps in your own life, with, or the blanks in your own life, what that might be. I may not like that response that has happened to my lovely suggestion of sock receptacle or whatever's going on there. And then I push harder, right? Then I go into it a little bit more. And thus, we start this dance. I have a, a desire, I share my desire, it may or may not be met very well, and then I push a little harder. Um, and so that's one, I don't, does anybody relate with that? Is my, like, alone? <laughs> okay, good, I see a few brave souls out there. But we really are, we're invited into a whole different dance. And um, there's just a, a fantastic verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that says, have no anxiety in yourself about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will, ah, I lost my train of thought there, keep will your keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the, the idea here is, rather than that dance that I tend to do with the dirty socks or far deeper things often, um, is that when that anxiety or that frustration pops up because it pops up all the time, is that that can be a, a little warning sign. Okay, I, I'm feeling anxious about this. and feeling frustrated. But we have this beautiful uh, invitation to another way of doing things that when we have that anxiety, to bring it to God. And then to, so we give our anxiety to God and we're invited to receive his peace because he wants to give that. He wants to give that to me. He wants to give that to you. And that's a whole different dance that we can, we can do. It's a far better dance, and it really leads to transformation. And I know that's what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. Again, 
whether you're six or more than six, anywhere along the line, we're invited in to that process. If, you're, if you work better with pictures, that idea of that triangle, if you draw that on your page, Jesus, me, my spouse, that idea of what Julie was just saying, that triangle falls apart when a spouse focuses on the other spouse. And often what we hear as we work with couples is we have a wife who feels, this is stereotypical, but it fits a lot of couples, a wife who feels frustrated and gets controlling, and a husband who feels frustrated and goes passive. And this whole triangle, if you draw an arrow from wife towards husband, and the focus becomes fixing him, the whole thing falls apart. Often my response to when I feel Julie is controlling or directing my growth is I react and I go passive. It's my passive aggressive tendency to not do what it is that would actually be the thing that she's trying to control. It's not healthy, but it is the dance that many of us find ourselves in. And that idea of the peace, when the focus is Jesus, this idea of that peace transforming our marriages is, is it's a profound piece of this. And, and really, it's going to be one of the main points. I'll clarify it here in just a moment. This verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 25, this is the passage that we, we wanted to, to focus on today. I think we've got this. This is the one we've got in a slide. Is this one coming up? We've, we've got a, a slide for this. If you want to turn to it, though, in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 25. This becomes a, uh, a, a, just a, a key passage of Jesus giving us a directive as individuals that affects our marriages, and we really want to, to focus on this as we, we dive in here. Is it still is it still coming? Second Corinthians five, eighteen to twenty-five. I actually don't have it up here in front of me right now, so I'm gonna have to wait for the slide. So that's what I'm doing. I can I can pull it up if you want me to read it. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as individuals, as Julie does this and as I do this, our hearts begin to align with God's heart. God's heart for us as individuals is to be a part of his mission to reconcile this world to himself. That is a focus that is big enough for every marriage, every marriage, 
If we keep our eyes fixed on that goal, we've been invited to be a part of reconciling this world to Jesus Christ. That is a a goal big enough for all of us. When Jesus was asked on this earth, the Pharisees came at him and were kind of trying to get him to trap himself around the idea of what was the most important commandment. Do you remember what Jesus said? He really gave it down in, in Mark chapter 12. He gave it in two really succinct pieces. It was love God and love your neighbor. Focus on him, love God, and reconcile the people around you to Jesus. And this is really it. These are our two points. This is the most important thing we can say to you in our one little chance here to kind of do this and talk about marriage is individually be growing in Jesus. That's number one. Individually be growing in Jesus. Love God. Work on that piece. That's number one. And number two, as a couple, be on mission together. You and I have already been given a mission. Our marriages have actually been given a mission. We're meant to be on mission together as couples. And when we are, it radically transforms. I can't fight with Julie about anywhere near as many things when she is my fellow soldier and we're engaging in the mission that God has given us on this earth together. God's design for your marriage is to be on mission together right here and right now. This is not something else. This is not the next step. This is right now. This is not when you go become a missionary. It's such a weird word to me. I went and did that. And when I came home, it was this very weird disconnect for me in the American church is that somehow a missionary is somebody who goes overseas and does something. And we disconnect from the idea that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation right here, right now, right where you live. Love God and love your neighbor. Your neighbor. What what if love your neighbor actually means the person you live by? I mean, this organic growth of Christianity has been inhibited by the fact that somehow we've sidelined ourselves and given a great pastor too much responsibility. The Bible never says, bring your neighbor to church. The Bible says, love your neighbor. You reconciling the people that live around you to Jesus. And those people may come here someday, and that's awesome. But we have a mission. And as a couple, we have a mission. Every time I get a chance to do a wedding, I try to give them some kind of little reminder. One couple, I gave them a, a, a Q-tip in a, in a frame. Just a Q-tip on a black background and a frame. Because my challenge to them was as a couple, was to do the little things. And I was talking about the fact that when you're done using a Q-tip and you flick it towards the garbage, about 50% of the time, it doesn't go in. And about 100% of that 50% of the time, I notice that it doesn't go in. And I really want Julie to clean it up. I'm sorry, I just do. I just want her, I flick it down there and I'm thinking, And I challenged this couple with the idea of just pick up the dang Q-tip. <laughs> just pick it up. 
The problem was, as I challenged that couple with this all these years ago, and it has messed with our marriage ever since we talk about these little things in our life, the dang Q-tip. It's just that little thing. And figuring out what that looks like. But you know what? The dang Q-tips in your life, they become so much less important when you're on a mission together. And picking up the stupid, tooth, the, the, the stupid Q-tip that you're throwing towards the garbage, it becomes a no-brainer when you're on a mission together, when you're working towards the same big goal of reconciling the world to Jesus, which is something so much better and bigger than most of us are focusing on in our marriages right now. What does it mean to dive in? We had a couple that just got married that we really, really loved, and, and we were challenging them with the, with the triangle. And this idea of the triangle, I, I was saying to them, you know, this isn't enough. I like the triangle, and I like it when people talk about it at weddings, but I'm going to ruin this for you. Every time now that you hear this at a wedding, I'm going to ruin this for you because I said to them, that's just the point of the arrow. Because if you take a, a marriage that is moving towards Jesus, well, now he's got a weapon that he can use as he's building his kingdom here on earth. The two of you together moving towards Jesus are becoming a weapon that God can use in a really powerful and profound way to reconcile the world to Jesus, to love him and to love your neighbors. And God puts you together as a couple and says, now, I've got people that I'm going to send you to. You're on my mission. And this is the image I want you to have in your mind. How can your marriage become a weapon that God is using to build his kingdom right here on the earth instead of a place where you're working on fixing each other? It's not a big enough goal. It's just not a big enough goal. Be individually growing closer to Jesus. Be on mission together. And if you're single... This is for all of us. Be this kind of person now. No matter what God has in store for you, this is still for all of us. Love God, love your neighbor. That, that includes us all. It just happens to have a profound effect on the way we approach marriage. Yeah, and, and like Darren said, I mean, what we're talking about, there, there are two main points and they're kind of intertwining, but they both really feed one another um, and when I, when I have something greater than myself, I, I need to get back to God. How do I do this? And, and then I have a motivation to get to him. So it kind of all goes together. I will say, though, um, mission is not enough um, in the sense that I had this belief when we went overseas that, you know, you just get people out there and you just get them going on this mission and then they're going to be great. They're going to be motivated. It's going to feed them. It's going to, it's going to do something in them, and it'll, it'll just kind of almost like work magic in their lives. And it, it doesn't. And very sadly, we, um, I was actually counting up, um, thinking through the different people that either kind of came with us or, or partnered with us along the way, and, and we lost almost half <laughs> along the way of people that worked with us overseas because it's not enough. And just being out there and, and maybe in an exciting ministry or something like that, we've got to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Because when the winds blow, when the temptations come, when the pressure's on, you have got to have something that's holding your feet down and grounding you in Christ. Because it, that kind of stuff can just crush you. And what we saw is we saw people walk away from their faith, their marriage, 
deep confusion about their own identity and, um, and who they are in their lives. Many, many points of fallout. So I, I would like just to ask you to do something. Would you just close your eyes? And I want to read Psalm 1 in the Amplified over you. This is a picture, I think, of what God wants to do for us as we feed on him, as we live in him. So let, the just, let this just wash over you. He delights, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law and teaching he habitually meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. Isn't it interesting that the prospering and the doing comes after the being? Being with God, letting him love you, opening yourself up to that, and then letting that root and ground us, and then the fruit that comes out of that, the, the leaves that don't wither and stay green. So, um, yeah, just can't overemphasize that enough. Just to, to transition a little bit, when, um, and this is, this is the dark side <laughs> for us. When we came back from, so we went to France and we went to Morocco. Morocco, as Darren said, was a, a really amazing time for me, but it was not such an amazing time for Darren. And it was uh, the, definitely the darkest time in our marriage. And uh, we were very disconnected. And um, then we came back from Morocco and we came to the east part of the San Francisco uh, Bay Area. And that frustration that had been brewing in Morocco was really brewing in me. And we came back <laughs> to the States as church planters, and there just wasn't much going on here. And, and, and Darren, like I said, wasn't in a great spot. And, um, and I was just frustrated. I was angry. I was embarrassed. We're church planters, and he doesn't really seem to care about our neighbors very much. And, um, and so I would just go on these long runs and just like... What started out as frustration fortunately started moving towards prayers to God, and they weren't pretty, but they were like, could you just do something, <laughs> please? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. This is not who I think we need to be. Um, but somehow in there, after so much just crying out and, and asking God, would you just do something? Because I knew every attempt I made here to change this is way beyond dirty socks. <laughs> yeah, we, I was getting full resistance and pushback. So that, that dance that we were doing was not working. I was actively not doing what she was suggesting because I didn't want her to control me. Yeah, and so just over time, over lots of giving it back to God, I just, there there started to be a slow change, and there was a softening in his heart. Um, but for me, the power was in taking that anxiety and taking that frustration and just doing the best I could to give it to God and let him begin the transforming process because I can't do this transformation process, right? We all know whatever relationship we're in, we, we don't do that. We don't have that power. There's only one, one person who does. Mm -hmm. isn't, it, isn't it interesting when we try to take a part that the Holy Spirit says is his job to do, what a mess we make of it? 
That's God's job is to transform all of us. You cannot transform your spouse. You cannot complete them. You're going to complete them in your image. Sorry, that is not God's plan for your marriage. Julie was frustrated and angry, deeply angry with me. We moved to our new house in this, in this little town, and, and in my mind, we were going to be there for maybe six months, a year. We were figuring out a financial deal that was going on that was going to allow us to buy a house, and that financial deal didn't happen. All of a sudden, we'd been there for a year, and I didn't know anyone on my street, and I didn't want to know anyone on my street. Just a little side note, when missionaries come back from being overseas, be gentle with them. I was a mess. I had been wounded in Morocco. The American church drove me crazy. I almost stood up in a church service and went after the pastor in a message that my daughter had been leading worship. I'm sitting there and the pastor starts to speak and Julie actually had to put her hand on my thigh and stop me from standing up in church. I was so hurting inside. I was just a mess. And so here we were in this weird dance. She knew I was a mess. She was mad at me for it. I wasn't engaging what she wanted me to engage. We're living here in the street. My kids are getting to know our neighbors. Julie's getting to know our neighbors. And I'm really resisting the whole thing. I just want to take a break. I just want to be passive. Back off. That's where I was stuck. Julie's dad... She mentioned it earlier. He passed away from a, a very quick-moving brain tumor. A really amazing guy. Left an amazing legacy. When he passed, it, it was an earth-shaking moment for all of us. But she was up in Chico in Northern California with the family, and I was at the house by myself kind of holding down the fort. And it was, uh, it was, it was rough. I was alone. I was lonely. I was sad. And I just want to say all of that to you to recognize that sometimes what God wants to use to help reach your neighborhood for Jesus is not your strengths. It's not what you're great at sometimes. Sometimes it's just your brokenness and your mess and your weakness. And I was weak. I was lonely. I was sad. I just, I was kind of, was breaking and I went outside just to stand in the sunshine. Do you ever do that sometimes? You just go outside and just go, I just have to feel alive for a minute. Uh, so I stood out there in the sunshine. I had my eyes closed. And I had met my lesbian neighbors that were two doors down from me. They were both in law enforcement. And these amazing ladies were not afraid of me. Let me just say this, okay? They, they, were, they could, both of them, either of them in a heartbeat, could just wrap me up in a ball and throw me away. So they, they just were, we had met each other. They'd come to like a garage sale. It was just a initial kind of, I knew their names. I was so lonely. I just needed somebody. They were out gardening. And I just went walking down the street and I just said, hey, you guys, how you doing? And they stood up and they were like, we're good. How, how are you? I fell apart in their driveway. I was weeping. I was trying to tell them what had happened, and I couldn't do it. 
And they walked up to me and they wrapped me up in their arms. And they, they wrapped on both sides of me and they held me. And I said, I didn't come down here to cry. And they said, we want you real. And they wrapped me up and they just held me. I don't even care what your politics are right now. God was in that moment. This was my burning bush. He pulled me up and gave me this view and said, I'm loving you right now. Are you loving them? No was the answer. God had a mission for me. God has a mission for me. God has a mission for us. I was not engaging it. And he pulls me up and says, here I am loving you. I am building a bridge through your weakness into the lives of these ladies. What are you going to do with it? And I got to tell you, my world blew up because I turned back around and said, okay, God, what do you have? What's the mission? And I got to tell you, the ministry on that street, we were the only Christians on our whole street. And God began to use us to minister and love and care for these people. My neighbors, love God, reconcile this world to Jesus, love your neighbors. I'm coming to you way off of a soapbox here and saying from failure to failure, this is what it looked like for me to learn this lesson. The mission saved our marriage. As I re-engaged the mission, we came alive together. The things that were irritating us about each other, and there was a laundry list. Those things shrunk in comparison. When the target got big enough to handle our focus and our marriage was no longer the focus, all the little things we had to fight about became little again. This was the, the salvation for our marriage. Honestly, the mission saved our marriage. And it was unbelievable to watch God at work. <laughs> Thank that was you. for me. <laughs> Yeah, she, she brought that up here for her. Yeah, I should have known. <sighs> okay, so that's, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's always hard to follow that because it's so close to, to our hearts. Um, but just to circle back around to the, the other half of my conversation with my dear friend that's, that's passing away, he, he first said, I kind of got it wrong. It is all God. And then I, I asked him, okay, well, what can I pray for you in these, you know, this time? And he said, I'd love more time. And if I get it, I'd just love to tell more people about this love. And that's, that's what I want to do. I just want, for whoever will listen, I just want to share this love that, that God has for us. And I'd just say, you know, again, he recognized the grace of God, and he recognized the heart of God. And if we can, if we can leave you with something today, we, we really would love to leave you with that, that you recognize the grace of God for your failures, for your successes, it's him, start to finish, and he's got a heart. He's got a target so much bigger than we could ever ask or imagine, and he invites us into that.
this one-two punch. Go deep in Christ individually. That's the starting point of that triangle. Individually taking responsibility for your own growth in Jesus. It's that foundation of grace. It's all him, and he wants to do it. Number two, be on mission as a couple. Be the arrow. Don't settle for the triangle, which is great. Be the arrow. Embrace God's mission. What is your mission together? As a couple, maybe just write that down on your page somewhere. Write that in your notes. Go have this question be at the center of a date night. What's our mission? If we were going to figure this out, if we wanted to do this, what might we, what might we do? Who, who might we invite over? Could we have a, a, a fire pit night and, and invite? There's a book Julie just read that said, a quote, and I don't know the details yet. I'm trying to figure it out. 8% of Americans have spoken to their neighbor in the last year. Whoa. What does it look like to have that conversation with your spouse that says, what's our mission? What does it look like for us to do this together? What is our pain, our wiring, our failures, our successes? What do we uniquely bring as a couple that allow us to minister to the people around us? We want to see the church in Franklin explode? Well, then let's lead the way by loving our neighbors, by loving God and engaging his mission as couples in a way that absolutely will transform us. I got to say this as I wrap up. Satan wins when you focus on your marriage. We get our eyes off the goal and we start focusing on each other and Satan goes, because <laughs> yeah. only God can fix our marriage. Only God can transform our spouse. Let's love him. Let's love each other. Keep So awesome. <clears throat> Life-giving words. Uh, you guys stand with us. I'm going to pray over us as we go. Uh, if your spouse happens to be with you, you might just grab their hand. And I'm just going to ask for God to just take that word and to put it deep down. Because really, I mean, how, how powerfully simple, right, to the complexity of marriage is that. We need to love Jesus, grow with him, and then be about his purposes and mission together. And so I'm going to pray that over us. And here's the beauty. You don't have to, and they said it, you don't have to be married to be about this, to be growing near Jesus and being on mission. Um, you know, it, this is for every one of us. So I'm just going to pray this blessing over each of us as we go. And would you pray this with me? God, I'm asking right now in Jesus' name, would you give us a fresh hunger for you first? You, who you are, your presence. We just say you're the, you're the right love of our soul. You're the first and foremost love of our, before our spouse or before our children, before our families. You have to be the consuming desire of our heart. And we just, even if we need, just repent for things that we've put in front of you, relationships we've put in front of you. We just repent and we just say, Jesus, you're the first desire of our heart. And I pray, God, you would anchor that in us, that tomorrow we'd wake up with a hunger to love you and be near to you. And that, God, as we do that, Lord, may we live on mission. I pray for every spouse, couple represented here. I pray for every single person. God, would you allow us to treasure you in a way that sets us toward your mission? Not, not afraid, but with confidence because of who you are. 
I pray the simplicity of the, and, and the power of that truth to loving you and loving our neighbor, God, would come alive in us this week. We'd be more awake for it. We'd be more in tune to it. God, I pray right now even just a spirit of forgiveness and love and reconciliation uh, with each other, Lord. If that's the ministry that you've called us to, may we be reconciled to you because you're, you're a forgiving father and reconciled to each other because this is the plan that you have for us. I pray for healing and wholeness for each one of us. And I ask God that we would be able to walk with life and truth coursing through us because you're here and you're in us. Would you lead us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings on you. See you next week.